stay standing for the reading of the word this morning. I want you to uh, just look at the screen. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27. We have been connecting all year long with the glory of God and with the presence of God. And incidentally, we're going to receive our new members at the end of this service. So we're delighted that many people are being added to the church. But I believe the greatest blessing in our lives is to have him living on the inside of us and being able to communicate with him and to fellowship with him and have him speaking to our hearts. Read with verse 27 with me. Ready, read. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. You may be seated. Father, we thank you so much for this time we have together. We thank you for your word. I pray that you would give me utterance today. And I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, flood our hearts with light and strength, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see here that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Let's bring that back up. Not the Holy Spirit, but when he talks about the spirit of man, he's talking about your human spirit. For we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a physical body. You know, Paul praying for the church at Thessalonica prayed that the very God of peace would sanctify them wholly and that their whole spirit and soul and body would be preserved blameless until the coming or the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So say it with me, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a physical body. And so it is through this means that the Lord guides his men and women by the Spirit of God. For the Spirit of man, it is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Now, we don't really talk that way today, but the belly simply means your innermost being. See, Jesus said that out of our belly, out of our innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Now, one translation says it this way. The human spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Another says the lantern of the Lord is the spirit of man. Now, if this was written in today's modern vernacular, it might read like this. That the spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord. Now, what that means is this. Is that God will guide us. God will enlighten us. God will lead us through our spirits. Now, my spiritual father said some things that I really think are good, so I'm going to quote him. He said, the reason that we as spirit-filled believers continually miss it and make mistakes and fall is because our spirits, which should be guiding us, are kept locked away in prison, so to speak. Knowledge or intellect has taken the place of the throne. And then he goes on to say, any person who shuts his spirit away and never listens to it because the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord becomes crippled in life and becomes an easy prey to selfish and designing people. One thing we do not want to do is override our spirit and not pay attention to what signals we're getting from the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. 
See, man has educated their mind at the expense of their hearts. Now, I believe in education. I believe in getting college education. I believe in getting the education that you need to do the life that God's requiring of you to live. But I don't believe that training our bodies and training our minds should be priority over the training of the human spirit. Amen? So we see then that the spirit of man, it is the candle of the Lord. That's where he's going to lead you. That is where he's going to guide you. Now, in order for you and I to be led by the Spirit, there are three R's that I want to speak to you briefly about concerning the Holy Spirit and our relationship with Him. Number one, reverence or respect. Number two, recognize or recognition. And number three, respond or being responsive. And the first one I want to look at for just a little while today is respect. I believe this, that we as Christians must have a deep, awesome respect for this glorious third person of the Godhead. He is a divine personality. He is not an it. He is the Holy Spirit. Or the Holy Ghost, whatever you want to, whatever you know, phrase you want to utilize. But He is real. And He desires for us to commune with Him. And so there must be a respect, if you will, or we could say it this way, we must reverence the Holy Spirit, reverence Him. Now, I found some really awesome verses of Scripture concerning the fear of the Lord. Now, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being afraid of Him. You know, like you'd be afraid of something bad happening to you. How many of you know something good happened to you when you received Jesus? And something good happened to you when the comforter came into your life. Something good like your helper, your counselor, your strengthener, your standby, your intercessor living on the inside of you. That's a good thing. And yet we are to reverence the Father, reverence the Son, reverence the Holy Spirit. I never refer to my heavenly father as my good old buddy. <coughs> hey, dad, got your ears on today? On the other hand, I'm not afraid to come boldly to the throne of grace and talk to him like a son would to his father. And Jesus is my friend. He's my elder brother. But how many of you know, we're to have an awesome respect for him. And we should also have a great respect for the Holy Spirit. That's reverencing Him. That is showing respect to Him. That is what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. Now let me just quote a few scriptures for you for the sake of time today. In Proverbs 9.10, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is what you and I need to be living our lives. Wisdom is our God-given ability to use the knowledge that God gives us. Do we need wisdom for everyday life? Absolutely. So the fear of the Lord, if you will, then, is the doorway 
to the beginning of His wisdom flowing in our lives. If we don't fear the Lord... If we're not respectful to him, then we close the door on wisdom. And quite frankly, you can't afford that, and I can't afford that. Why? Because we need him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom. See, when we're talking about wisdom, we're talking about knowing what to do. Knowing when to do it. Not only that, but the Bible says that when we operate in the fear of the Lord, it will prolong our days. Is anybody interested in living long on the earth? If you're writing down that scripture, that's Proverbs 10, 27. But moving right along in Proverbs 15, verse 33, it says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Man, think about it. You and I can be taught in the ways of wisdom. We can be instructed by the greatest instructor in the whole universe, how to function and how to operate in the wisdom of God. And that, my brothers and sisters, is worth respecting Him and honoring Him. Secondly, we must recognize Him. Recognize Him. Thirdly, we must learn then to respond to Him. Respond to Him. In other words... Instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Now let me back up just a moment. Let me say it like this. Feelings are the voice of the body. Right? Anybody's body? Talk to them recently. Maybe like this morning. Sprung forward an hour, that means you lost an hour of sleep. Did your body want to get up? Well, not really. But you're not your body. You're in charge of your body. So you command your body to get up. But your body will talk to you. I mean, after you've had that first piece of cotton pie, it'll say have a second and a third. That's when you need to start taking charge of your body and not allowing your body to take charge of you. Right? So feelings are the voice of the body. And then reason and logic are the voice of the mind. And thank God for reason and thank God for logic. But we are not to be led by reason. We are not to be led by logic, even though we take it into account, right? For we're led by the Spirit of God. Amen. But then conscience is the voice of your spirit. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. And so what we must learn to do then is keep our conscience sensitive. To keep our conscience sensitive, not only toward God, but toward man. Now, has anyone ever done anything that all of a sudden your conscience started bothering you? Well, all of us have. Now, what do we do when those things happen? We go and we make what was wrong right. In other words, if I got into an argument with my brother and I said some mean things and nasty things to him, I need to go to my brother and make that right. Why? Because my conscience is bothering me. If I say something mean to Brenda, and you know, we've been married, what, 35, 36 years? Be 37 here in July. My, how time passes when you're having a good time, right? 
you know, Brenda and I have had arguments over the years. I mean, anybody that would tell me that you never had a harsh word toward your husband or your wife, I'm telling you, you are something else. <laughs> but there's times where maybe harsh words have been spoken, and I'll go to her, and I'll ask forgiveness. And she'll say, not now. <laughs> Give the sister some time to work through it. No, she will, she will graciously forgive. Graciously forgive. But now, what if, what if I'm full of pride and I'm haughty and I'm not willing to admit that I have overridden my spirit? What if I'm not willing to admit that my conscience is hurting me? Listen, over the process of time, your conscience can become very seared. Over the process of time. Now, many of you men work with tools and you work with equipment. And over the process of time, your hands may have been delicate and sensitive, but now your hands have become very calloused. We could say that your hands then have unfeeling in them. And that may not be bad for a person's working with their hands, but spiritually... If your spirit man is seared to the point where you don't feel that anymore, where you don't sense that anymore, if you've overridden your spirit time and time and time again, you can speak whole reams of nasty things to people and walk away from it and not even bother you. Something is wrong with that. Something needs to change. And so in order for us then to really walk with God and to be clear to hear Our spirit men, our spirit man needs to remain sensitive. We need to remain pliable. I don't know about you, but I cannot afford my spirit to be dulled. I cannot afford my heart to be dulled by the distractions of this age or by strife or anything. How about you? There's way too much at stake. God wants to say way too much to us. He wants to do way too much for us to allow ourselves to live on a lower rung of life spiritually and allowing our spirit to become cluttered with little nickel and dime stuff that at the end of the day doesn't make any difference. So the Lord might be speaking to you. I don't know. It's between you and the Lord. But I do know one thing for sure, that you want to keep your heart right. No matter what a person may have done to you, no matter what a person may have said to you, you have to come to a place where you say, Lord, I just released that person. And then may there be a lifting of their lives to you. And I refuse to enter into the combat zone with anyone. You know, people will think you're weak if you do that. They'll think you're naive if you do that. But God says you're operating in the love of God. And the love of God will constrain you. And when it's shed abroad in your heart, you will never, ever fail in this life. Amen. 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 Say it with me. The love of God God. on the inside of me me. never fails. What's the opposite of failure? So when we're walking in love, then, we can become a success in life. And we don't define success the way the world defines success. You may be on a median income, but all your kids serving God, I'm telling you what, that's success. 
Other people may live in an ivory tower with millions and millions of dollars and their kids rebellion and their wife out sleeping around. That is not success. I know I'm preaching pretty good today. Somebody help the preacher. So it's success now according to God. Beloved, I wish or I pray that above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. But there's this instant obedience. There's something about instantly obeying the Lord that just pleases him. Amen. Now you have children. We had two boys and one was more instant to obey than the other. It was always a great joy when the one would obey more quickly than the other. But I believe the spiritual principle is this, is you and I as children of God should be obeying not only quickly, but also quietly. Not moaning and groaning and complaining, oh Lord, I don't want to do that, but I'll do it anyway. You've just disqualified yourself from eating the good of the land. I said, you've just disqualified yourself from eating the good of the land. Because the Bible says, if you be willing and obedient, what are you going to do? You're going to eat the good of the land. How many of you want to eat the good of the land? So instantly then, obey the voice of your spirit. Now, does anyone, can anyone help me today? What was Jesus' first miracle? He turned the water into what? Wouldn't you have just loved to have been that, there to seen that miracle? You know, the people that were at the wedding say, what's this? You say the best wine till the last. What's up with that? Well, it's the master's hands. He always saves the best for the last. But you know, Jesus didn't feel quite ready to enter into his ministry of miracles, but he had a Jewish mama. How many of you know if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? And so he's going to be obedient to Mary. But then Mary said something that is a key now. Listen to this. This is a key to miracles. This is a key to manifestation for you. This is a key for life for you and me. Here's what she said. Whatever he says to you, what? Whatever he says to you, do what? Do it. Do it quickly and do it quietly. Obeying the Lord boldly and quickly opens up a door for miracles. Miracles. Miracles in manifestation for your life, for your job, for your family. Say it me, I'm obeying. Quickly and quietly. Amen. Now let's look over at Romans chapter 8. Keep your heart clean. Keep your conscience pliable and sensitive. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God led by the Spirit of God. Now what I want to pay close attention to this morning is verse 16. I want you to read that with me. Ready? Read. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I like to say it this way. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So you have two things functioning there and two things operating there. Now I want you to pay particular attention to the word witness and I want to define the word witness. The number one way that God will lead his children is not by fleeces. 
The number one way that God leases, uh, uh, leads his children is not by audible voices. He doesn't lead us by angelic visitations. He certainly doesn't lead us by, well, this door is open, we should walk through it, or that door is closed, we can't go through it. No. The Bible says that the inward witness is the number one way that he leads all of us. He says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So if the inward witness is the number one way that he leads us, I need to know what a witness is. Can I get a witness? How about you over there? Can I get a witness? The word witness means to testify jointly, to cooperate by concurrent evidence. The word witness is a legal term. We will say, let us call this witness to the stand. A witness is someone that knows something. A witness can affirm something that they have seen, that they have heard, or something that they know for some other reason. How many of you know that the Bible says we are witnesses? I believe it's in the book of Revelation that the Bible says that Jesus is the faithful witness. The Holy Ghost is a witness in that he witnesses with our spirit. We could say according to Romans chapter 8 verse 16, where it says the spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We could say that the Holy Spirit is a co-witness or a joint witness affirming to our inner man, our spirit man, some things that we know to do. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Now you're already familiar with this witness. I remember, you know, I grew up Catholic and thank God for the Catholic church. And, uh, I strayed away at a very young age, and uh, you know my testimony, I ended up on serious drugs and serious alcohol, just about killed myself for stupid reasons. And by the way, that's a wonderful testimony, but the greatest testimony is when a person lives their life right before God every day of their life. Thank God he pulls us out of the pit, I understand, and puts us in the pulpit, but you don't have to have a dramatic testimony to be used of God. We're all being used of God. But right on the other hand, I'm so grateful he grabbed me out of the pit. I'm glad that in the month of March, someone witnessed to me and told me about Jesus and invited me to a crusade or an evangelistic meeting in the downtown area of the town I was in. I was in a state hospital. And for the first time, it really registered in my heart that Jesus Christ really took my sin. You know, some of us need to go way, way, way deep down to the end before we'll look up. And that was me. You don't have to do that. But I heard for the first time that he loves me unconditionally. And that not only does he save, but he delivers. And my addiction was, was nasty. And so I was all ears. But when that altar call was given that night, it was almost as if I was lifted out of my chair and I was there in the front saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. And I just knew that night the old man passed away. The old Mark with long hair. The old Mark, the old nasty boy finally went down. And now Jesus made me a new creation. 
And he did the same thing for you. And I can remember going back to the treatment center and opening the door and they were all smoking marijuana and doing drugs. And I said, boys, I've been saved. One person with little squinty marijuana eyes says, yeah, and you'll probably be a preacher too. He was right. It might seem a little pathetic, but it could have been prophetic. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, some of you know that voice, right? All right, let's stop. No. Can I get a witness? All right. <clears throat> but I just knew. I wasn't the same. I woke up the next morning and I just knew. I knew. I knew. How did I know? No, I knew by the witness. And so you may have experienced the same thing. I'm saved. I'm saved. But the greater one on the inside that says, you're saved. All right. You bet you're saved. That's that him witnessing with. He speaks to our spirit. Now I've got Pastor Tom down here on the front row. And I've got Ingrid over there on the second row. Wave, Ingrid. Pastor Tom may stand up and say, you know what? I've got something in my heart. I've got something in my heart. And then he vocalizes what it is. And Ingrid stands up and says, you know, I've got that same thing. That's a co-witness. Or if Tony and Jamar, you were on Hesperian Street Boulevard witnessing this afternoon, and you saw someone run into the back end of another car, and you both saw it, and the police came along, and Tony said, yeah, this is exactly what happened. The car ran into the back end of that car, and Jamar says, I was there too. I can witness to that. That's a co-witness. Come on, somebody. Now, you can be praying and you can be circling the city, if you will, considering direction for your life. And all of a sudden, in your heart, you have something. You get something. But then you wait on that co-witness. Yeah, Lord, I I believe this is it. And the Holy Ghost says, yeah, that's it, boy. That's right. Go with it. That's the co-witness. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning... I want to be very clear with you that your spirit has a witness. And then the Holy Ghost comes along and bears witness with your spirit. It's a witnessing with. It's that additional witness. Amen. You just, you you don't know exactly how you know, but you just know. It just seems right in your seamer. Where's your seamer? Your seamer's in your spirit. I could show you scripture after scripture in the book of Acts that the Bible talks about it seemed good to me and to the Holy Ghost. That's that co-witness. Luke, when he wrote the book of Luke, says it just seemed right that I should write this. He had it in his heart. I just knew that I knew that I knew and the spirit on the inside of me gave me that extra knowing where I just know it's right. Now, in identifying the witness of the Holy Spirit, look for, always look for the knowing. The knowing. And practice patience until you get that witness. Practice patience until you get it on the inside. 
Is anybody listening today? Thank God, thank God for that knowing. Now I'm going to tell you an area where I have missed it in over the years. And I don't stand up before you pretending to say that I've never missed it. Because I have to look at myself in the mirror because I know I have. Now, the older I get and the more proficient I get and the more developed I get, the less I'm missing it. Don't be afraid to miss God. I just got a word to you today. You're going to miss it. But learn from your mistakes. Now, here's one area that I have made mistakes in. And, of course, you can imagine being the head of a ministry under the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of decisions that need to be made. I mean, quite frankly, decisions you would just rather not make. But the buck stops somewhere. And it usually stops with the leader. I mean, that's just how it is. If you're the CEO of a company, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But as the head of a home, there's decisions that need to be made. In life, we are constantly faced with choices. Aren't you glad you have choices? But now, we said last week how much the enemy just loves to apply pressure on us. Remember that he applied pressure on Jesus. One case would be, you know, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or was it from man? They asked him that. Because they wanted to catch him. But Jesus was too smart for them. And you're too smart for the devil too. He said, well, he said, I will also ask you one thing. I'll also ask you one thing. And then he asked them a question that they couldn't answer. And they said, we just can't answer it. And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you either. And walked away. <laughs> That's the wisdom of God. Now, everyone say deadlines. deadlines. As many as are led by deadlines. I don't even like the term dead. Do you? I mean, when someone goes to be with the Lord, I don't look at them as being dead. I look at them being alive in another place. They didn't cease to exist. They departed to exist in another place. We miss them on this side. But hey, it won't be long because soon and very soon we're going to see the king, right? So we've all got kinfolk over there. And what a day it will be when our Jesus we shall see. Amen. But I don't like the term deadlines. Deadlines carries with it the thought of pressure, does it not? And if you are not keen spiritually and you are not on top of your game, if you will, in hearing and being led by the Spirit, if things have piled up, sometimes what I've done is I said, okay, I guess it's okay because there's a deadline here. The Bible doesn't say as many as are led by guesses. We cannot afford to guess. Because as sure as we guess, it's a 50-50 that we're right or that we're wrong. And I've discovered that whenever I've done that, because of fatigue and to move on to the next thing, guessing always costs something. Are you here? Guessing always costs something. So what I'm saying to you this morning is be patient and wait until you know. If I don't know, I'm not going to go. 
Another preacher said it this way. If it's not quite, you all know it. If it's not quite, it's not. If it's not quite, it's not right. And if it's not right, it's wrong. And if it's wrong, we have no business doing it. Now, it might be a good thing, and it might be a wonderful thing, but it may not be something that's right for you. See, what's right for this brother may not necessarily be right for me. So we've got to function then in the unction. We need to function in the knowing. The Bible says, but you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Turn me to 1 John 2, and uh, I think that's verse whatever. I thought it was verse 20. But notice with me in verse 20. It says, but you have an unction. You have an anointing. You have a knowing. From who? From the Holy One. And you know what? You know what you need to know. It's not a matter of working it out. Are figuring it out. Go with the knowing. If I don't have it, I don't go with it. If you don't have it, don't go with it. Keep looking. Keep waiting. They that wait upon the Lord, they're going to do what? They're going to renew their strength. Not waiting and moving too quickly has cost many people their lives. Pilots have what they call homeitis. What is homeitis? That means if you're a pilot and you want to get home, even though weather conditions are not appropriate to travel in, sometimes people have gone and traveled and lost their life. Because they just had to get home. But what if they would have waited 12 hours? So he says, well, that's kind of a far out illustration. I'm not a pilot. But are you a person? Do you have a car? See, being, what my point is this, is being in a hurry can cost you. It may not cost you your life, but it can cost you money. Should I say that, Lord? Thank you. You're not the Lord. I'm just fooling with you. Hormones raging is no green light to get married. The clock ticking is no reason, come on, to tie the knot. You tie the knot and you get married because God has brought the appropriate person into your life for the rest of your life. Not just because of other things. Brenda and I have been in ministry 36, almost 37 years, we've seen this happen. We've seen it happen with younger people. You could just tell 
that the main reason that this person wanted to marry that person is because of the benefit of the marital bliss in bed. But you know, after the honeymoon is over, she may have curlers on. <laughs> after the honeymoon is over, how many of you know bills can stack up? Pressures can accumulate. I know you guys are getting what I'm saying. It's like this one preacher, you know. He was a preacher and evangelist, and he heard that, you know, you have to have a woman, you have to have a wife that sings. So he searched long and far for a woman that could sing. And he married her just based on the fact that she would add to his ministry because she was a singer. Well, the night after the honeymoon, she came down with curlers in his hair, and her hair, and he said, my God, woman, sing, woman, sing. <laughs> well... So, anyway. Don't be in such a hurry to get married. You could marry the wrong person. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, he was at the altar last week. Okay. Fine. He was at the altar last week. Let's see how he's doing next month. Come on now. Let, let's, let's see if he's going to be there with you when the pressure hits. Take him downtown San Francisco or something during rush hour and see how he does. <laughs> so, see how he responds under pressure. You know, there's some people that do that when they hire people at a church. They take them to the busiest place in the, in, the, in the area and they just put them in a situation where they either make or break. Yeah, but he's so fine. Remember that old song, he's so fine. Remember that one? But it's like one preacher says, I wonder, does fine pay the bills? So you can be in a hurry. You can be in a hurry to make a decision, whether it be marriage or even an investment. I can't tell you the times that I've had the opportunity to invest in this and invest in that. And for them, it may have been right. But for me, it was not quite. And for me to invest in something that was right for them and wrong for me, I would have overridden my spirit. And I can't live with that. I can't compromise my integrity. There have been people in, in life and in ministry that have tried to put me in a position of compromise. Well... You know, you just need to say this and do this. And then if you say this and do this, everything will be all right. The problem with saying this and doing this is it's not true. It's a lie. And I'm not for sale. I'm just not for sale. And I will not compromise my integrity just because of a situation someone presents to me that will work for them. It may work for you, but if it ain't working for me, it ain't working. At least not here. Now, I can get more specific in some of these illustrations, but you don't need to know everything. Don't be in a hurry. Take your time. Don't invest in everything that comes down the pike. I don't care how shiny their shoes are. 
and how slick their hair may be back. And how much they want to prophesy over you and tell you this is how it's going to be. You've got to be led for yourself. Some of the most dangerous ground for spirit-filled Christians is Christian television after midnight. Anyway, I have meddled long enough. But I wouldn't be sharing these things with you if I didn't love you. And I'm not trying to present myself as someone who's never missed it. I have missed it. But by the grace of God, you and I don't have to miss it. We don't have to be in a hurry. And I want to share just a few more thoughts with you before we close. Is that okay? I didn't get a strong enough witness. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. So when you're born again, when you're born again, God gets you on the right path. And if you'll wait till it's right, and if you'll wait till you have the knowing, and if you will not get homitis or other kinds of itis, and just know that you know that you know, your path in life will just get better and better. The things that God has got for you are so bright. You know, I'm looking across this congregation, and I'm looking at a group of people whose, if you could see your future, you would hardly be able to believe it. Because your future's bright in Him. Now, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, this, will, this is what will happen as we learn to trust, to lean, to acknowledge... We will be directed. And he'll always direct us on the right path. In Proverbs 4.18 it says, But the path of the just. I wonder today who are the just? We are the just. So it says here that the path of the righteous is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. So once we get on the path of his choosing, our path gets brighter and brighter, and there's no death in the path. Now look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28 in the Amplified Version. Proverbs 12, 28. I thank God we were led by the Spirit of God to come to California in 1982. I thank God I was led by the Holy Spirit to marry Brenda Edwards. Now, Thomas, I thank God we were led by the Spirit of God to purchase this property. I'm so thankful for that inward witness. You know, sometimes you might be shaking in your boots, but all the time you've got peace in your heart. Not that I was shaking in my boots to marry Brenda. But I did get lost the night of our wedding. I did. We were married in a small town by the name of Ski D, Oklahoma. I grew up in the north. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's from Pawnee, Oklahoma. So the night of our wedding, we get married at this little Assemblies of God church in Ski D, and there's a statue in the middle of the town that you're supposed to take a turn at to get to the church. 
The statue was Chief Bacon Ryan and Colonel Sanders. No, Colonel Walters, not Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Some finger licking good, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and so I'm with my parents, and I guess I'm a little nervous. And so this little small town, I mean, population three people or something. <laughs> And I'm so excited about getting married that I get lost. And they just laugh about it today. How could you get lost in that small town? But I made it. I made it. And you'll make it too. Even though you might be a little bit nervous about hearing from God, even though you might be a little nervous about putting yourself completely out there on the altar, just know this, that God's peace God's presence will saturate your life and he will cause his wisdom to be known to you and he'll put you on the right path for your life and your path in your life can get sweeter and sweeter and better and better. Amen. Do you believe that today? Amen. In Proverbs 12:28, it says, Life is in the way of the just. I'll tell you what's in your way, life is. And in the pathway of the just, there is no death. That means that in our path that God has chosen for us, there's no death, there's no fear, but there's immortality, perpetual, and eternal life. Now turn quickly to Psalm 65 and verse 11. Psalm 65, verse 11. We use this verse at the beginning of the year oftentimes, but it is appropriate for every day of the year. In Psalm 65, 11, it says, You crown the year with your bounty and your goodness, and the tracks of your chariot wheels drip with fatness. That's a little bit blind to us. What this is basically saying to us is this, that God is good, your year should be filled with His goodness, and along the pathway of your life, your path is going to drip with fatness. And fatness in the Hebrews there means abundance. It means excess. It sounds like El Shaddai to me. When I get on the right path and stay on the right path, I can fully expect El Shaddai to show up in every area of my life. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And then stand to your feet right now, and we're going to end with a glorious confession. And we're going to take what we've learned today, and we're going to apply it to our hearts. Amen. Everyone kind of stretch a moment. You've been seated long enough right now. Let's just stretch a moment. Now while you're stretching, lift your hands up toward heaven. And say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the Holy Spirit. I declare today. The way of wisdom is mine. For I fear the Lord and I reverence you. I open my heart today and I pray, Lord, lead me. Guide me every step of my life. Thank you for putting me on the right path. I declare in my pathway. That there is life and that there is no death. In my pathway, it drips with abundance, excess, more than enough. I acknowledge you 
in all my ways. And you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Say this with me. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. And it lightens my path. And by your words and by your spirit, I am clear to see. And I am clear to hear. Show me the path of life. For in thee is the fountain of life. And as I walk down this path, it'll get better. It'll get brighter. I'll see more light as I go. I'll walk in the light. I'll walk in the wisdom of God. I ask for wisdom, sir. And I believe that I receive. Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a big shout of praise. Amen.